0: Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you during this Christmas season in humility, and we confess that we are all sinners, and we can't draw near to you on our own. We need you. Uh, we repent of our, our callous and insincere thoughts. We pray that you would reveal yourself to us as we remember the tremendous gift of your Son. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to obey you. Bless our study of your word now. Amen. So, like Gunnar said, my name is Ben Fredericks. I am from Chicago. It's slightly colder than it is here. (laughs) Um, Although, this time of year, it's not too bad usually. It's about 45 degrees there this morning. I I looked it up. Um, But it's nice to be in San Diego and enjoy some warmer weather. And it's it's a privilege to be here with you this morning, um, to open the Word of God with you. Uh, My hope and prayer is that you will all be encouraged and strengthened in your faith through the work of the Holy Spirit among us. Um, I'm also praying that I'll be able to spend more time preaching than coughing this morning. I've had something for a couple of weeks now, and it's just... So, (laughs) bear with me. (laughs) Uh, When Gunnar asked me to preach a couple of weeks ago, he, uh, he told me it would be just before Christmas, and he didn't really have a specific topic in mind, and I could kind of have some freedom to choose what I wanted to speak on, and uh, hopefully he doesn't regret that. Uh, I'm really excited for this morning's topic, and I think you guys will be too. So if you don't mind, go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 1, um, which should be a familiar passage for most of you. Um, Before I start, I just want to let you know the Gospel of John is a little bit different from some of the other Gospels. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tend to to tell the story of the Gospel, and they do it in a very narrative way. They walk you through each step, and they tell a story. The Gospel of John is a little bit different in that it spends a lot more time explaining what is going on and why it's important. And so in John 1... um, John works really hard to explain that Jesus Christ is God. And so I want you to pay attention to that and like listen closely to hear how John shows that Jesus is the Son of God. Read with me. We're going to start in John 1, verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 18. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Father, thank you so much for your gift of holy scriptures. We ask that you would illuminate them through your Holy Spirit and help us to understand what you would have us to understand. We acknowledge your sin and the ways that that prevents us from seeing you and understanding what your word says. We ask you to forgive us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. So as we read John 1, one of the first things you see is the statement of eternality. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John isn't holding anything back here. He wants you to know that Jesus has existed from eternity past, and that Jesus is God. This right here is a critical point, and if you take nothing else away from today's message, I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. And that's an idea that's unique to Christianity, and it's one that's been protected by church fathers and church leaders for thousands of years. I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about why that's important uh, and what it means for our faith. Um, First of all, we have to understand why we need a Savior in the first place. And I know you're all probably thinking, like, okay, I came, I came, came here today to sing some Christmas carols and enjoy a Christmas Eve service and this jerk's going to come talk about sin. Um, But hold on, it's important. This is really important, so don't tune out. Um, Jesus is the best news we can ever get. But we have to talk about sin in order to understand how and why he is good news. And I think it's really easy to misunderstand what sin is. I'm sure many of you have heard that sin is something that God thinks is disgusting and, you know, like, like we think rotten food is disgusting. And that's not, that's not untrue, but I think when you think in those terms, it kind of, it tends to make you feel shame and guilt, and I think it's, it doesn't really help us understand why we need a savior. At that point, it makes you feel more like we just need someone to clean us up. Um, I think it's more helpful to think of sin as a thing that separates us from God. Every time we sin, we're turning our backs on God. We're telling him we don't want him. We don't want to be a part of his family. We don't want anything to do with him. And this is why we need a Savior. We need someone to come in between us and God and to reconcile us to him. Someone who can join us back to the family of God. That someone is Jesus Christ. And what you see in John 1 is that he is God. He has always been God. And then he came to earth as a man in order to save us. Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2. This is a passage that was written in a very, very different context to a different audience. Um, And I think it really serves to highlight what we're talking about here. Philippians 2, we're going to start in verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. Read with me. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bond bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are on heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what we see here is an account of how Christ lived and the purpose for which he lived on earth. You Notice first, he existed in the form of God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he was and is God, but he didn't let that go to his head. He didn't get prideful because of that. Instead, he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant, taking the form of a man. And that is referring to his birth as a baby, Um, what we call the incarnation. It's really interesting to notice he did that willingly and in humility. It really helps us to understand that Jesus coming to earth was not glamorous, it was not pretty, it required humility and sacrifice from him. In order to really understand the significance of this, I think we need to talk about Jesus' experience on earth. Because it's, it's really easy to think of his life in the same way that we think of, you know, our favorite characters in TV shows. They live their lives one episode at a time. You know, every episode has a neatly wrapped beginning and ending with a moral or a lesson in between. And sometimes it contributes to the overall plot of the, the TV show, but usually it's just the one episode at a time. You know, we do the exact same thing with Jesus, there's this episode where he's born that we talk about at Christmas, the episode where he gets left at the temple and his parents are searching for him. Um, then there's the episode where he gets baptized, and the one where he dies, and the one where he's raised from the dead. And it's really easy to just think about his life in these little chunks, and we don't really think about what happens in between. And with good preaching, which I know Gunnar gives you guys here, you, you hear good preaching, you... you Pick up on some of those details in between. But I just want you to stop and think about this. Have you ever thought about, like, where did Jesus live? Did he have a home? Did you ever think about the fact that Jesus had to go to the bathroom? Even something like, how did he get around? How did he get from point A to point B? Um, and this is a <laughs> plug for the Israel trip, which I think there's an Israel trip coming up. Um, that's a great trip. You should go on it. Um, I went on one five or six years ago, and it was awesome. Um, I want you to look at this map. A little bit later in John 1, it talks about Jesus' baptism. And he was baptized uh, right about here. Everyone see that? Just a few miles north of the Dead Sea. And then the next day, it says he decided he was going to travel to Galilee, way up there. Now, this this map is... I think you get the scale down there on the side, on the, the left side. But that distance is about sixty miles. And he decided he was going to travel about sixty miles. Now, I'm sure I'm sure a Navy SEAL could probably make that happen in one day. But for most of us, that would be two full days of fast walking. And that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. Jesus lived on earth as a regular person doing regular things including walking for two straight days. And I bring this up to illustrate that these are parts of Jesus' everyday life that we don't really think about, but we need to think about them if we want to understand who he who Jesus was and who he is today. And when we understand all the ways that Jesus lived his life, we can start to understand his humanity and why his humanity is important for us in our salvation. There's an early theologian known as Gregory of Nazianzus who said that which has not been assumed cannot be healed. That's a really big statement so I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Um, he said that in response to the heretic Apollinaris who claimed that Jesus did not become a human in the same sense as we did um, or in the same sense as we are. He claimed that Jesus didn't have a real human mind. And Gregory of Nazianzus wanted it to be really, really, really clear that's not true. Because if it was, Jesus wouldn't be able to offer us salvation because he wouldn't be able to represent us before before God. Jesus had to assume the fullness of humanity in order to save humanity from sin. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are. I do want to follow just a real quick rabbit trail there. Uh, I think it's easy to read about Jesus' temptation in the desert and assume that he was only tempted on those couple of days and only in those couple of ways. But that's not true. Jesus was tempted every single day of his life on earth. He experienced temptations, the same temptations that we experience. When we talked earlier about what sin is, I said that at its core, it's turning our backs on God, rejecting God, telling him we don't want anything to do with him and we don't want to be a part of his family. And this is why we need Jesus. When we sin every day and we turn away from God with each sin, Jesus comes to reconcile us to God. We are dead in our sins without Jesus. We're separated from God. But because Jesus came to earth and lived a life without sin, we can draw near to God through him. He has defeated death. And in him we have life. I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here because I want you guys to still like me after I'm done. (laughs) Um, But I just want to leave you with this challenge as you go and celebrate Christmas over the next couple of days. Remember that Jesus humbled himself to be born on earth with a human body and a human mind. Remember that Jesus loved us enough to deal with the drudgery and pain and temptations of regular life remember that. And when you do, remember that we are saved only through Jesus Christ making us right with God. Be thankful for that and be thankful that we worship a God who loves us enough to walk the earth with us. Would you stand with me as as, uh, we pray and then we'll start singing some more songs in a minute? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son and thank you for loving us enough to come and walk the earth with us. Thank you for experiencing the pains and frustrations of life on earth. I pray that you would remind us of how much we need you and how much we need to be saved from our sin. Please give every person in this room comfort in their knowledge of you. And I pray that you would bless us now as we sing and then part ways and celebrate and remember um, Christmas over the next couple of days. And give safe travels to anyone who's traveling. And I pray all this in your name. Amen.